0: Well, happy Mother's Day. We are so glad you're here. Uh, Y'all have any plans? Seriously, tell me because I didn't make any today and I'm kind of in trouble. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, But seriously... uh, It just seems like we're bombarded with decisions and things that we have to do all the time, the questions we have to ask ourselves, answers we have to give, and how we answer and respond to those type of things in a way that uh, honors others, but more specifically, honors God. And so we're, we're in this place of asking some difficult questions, and one of those questions that we have to ask absolutely is, Who will we serve? There are really two options. I mean, when when we boil it all down, there are two options. I can serve myself, the flesh, and sin, or I can choose to serve righteousness and specifically Christ. It really boils down to that. And so how do we live in such a way that honors God? It's a difficult question, but we have to answer it. We have to wrestle with it. We have to chew on it a little bit. One of the things that I, th- I believe is very difficult for us is this, that we've just lived along and in sin so long that it's just like uh, normalized. It's okay. like Everybody does that. So if everybody does, it must be all right. We live among it, and we've normalized it. In the garden, when Adam and Eve fell... There was something that happened to the image bearers of God, people, that I don't think we're ever fully going to understand on this side of eternity. The brokenness that occurred in that place, the want to sin that happened in that place, we maybe won't ever understand until the other side of eternity. And I think we're going to enter into the presence of God and be like, oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, we missed it. We missed it. And what we're going to see in the text today is Paul calling us to that holiness. Paul calling us by the power of the Holy Spirit into a place of living that is honoring God and identifies specifically with obedience to Christ. Not out of some sort of morbid, I have to earn my salvation kind of mentality, but rather because of a transformation that occurred within, I want to follow God. And we're going to see that. Played out throughout the scriptures that we're in. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. We'll be in Romans chapter 6. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back. And you can, uh, you can go back and get one. Or there are some people around, raise your hand and wave you know, really big, and they'll be sure to get you one. But we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to read the scriptures, to see the scriptures, and to respond uh, in faith to those. And so, with that in mind, would you join me as we pray? Holy Spirit, as we come before you today, we are asking that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. That Lord, this is, it's just gonna be tough. It's going to be hard because we're going to have to really be introspective. We're going to have to deal with some dark places in our own soul, perhaps. We're going to have to work through some hurts that have come. We're going to have to work through some acceptance of sin in our life that we have had. And we're asking, Holy Spirit, one, for you to be gentle and to work us through it. But two, that you will be loud, that we will hear it and respond in faith to you. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you for that. Uh, that's, that's not coming from me. Those are not my words, Lord. I'm asking that you would speak to us today, that you would give us those eyes to see, those ears to hear, and this heart to understand that we would honor you in all of these things. And it's in Jesus Christ precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. I believe uniquely that we are in a place of history of seeing something ...that perhaps we haven't been able to see in our lifetime. And so, I would like you, if you would, to imagine history represented with hills and valleys. Some of those hills are really high and some of those valleys are really deep. And history is represented by different plateaus on those, in those places. The prophets before us were able to stand on top of a hill and look into the end. And they recorded it in the scriptures... They were able to see clearly in ways that we still can't. However, I do believe that uniquely we are in a place where, where the hill in front of us is not blocking our view. And I believe that we can see the end from here. What I don't know is how many hills and valleys there are between here and the end. But I do believe we can see the end from here. And so with that in mind, it is my responsibility, it's our responsibility to look seriously at the word of God. And to align ourselves to the word, to allow Christ to do a, a calibration, if you would, to, his, uh, to us with his word and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to really look over three areas as we go through the first 14 verses of this chapter. This is what it's going to look like. Salvation implies victory over sin. That doesn't mean we won't struggle with it. It does mean that there's victory we're going to talk about this in, 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 such a, in, in some terms that Paul likes to use that are really black and white. There, there's not a lot of gray. And I tell you that because we're going to want to play in the gray. And we're going to want to say, well, yeah, but what if? Well, what if? What if? We're going to want to do that. Paul's not going to give us that opportunity today. That's just not where we're going. And so, because that's true, we want to align ourselves with the Scripture. In other words, um, despite what our flesh wants, let's see what the Scripture says, and then let's respond to the Scripture. Does that make sense? You're like, mm, I don't know about this, Kenny. All right. Salvation implies victory over sin. Secondly, salvation, or I'm sorry, separation implies that we do not practice sinning. We don't get really good at sinning. If we're followers of Christ, if we if we have surrendered to Christ as Lord and Savior, then we are saying something about ourselves. And one of the things that we're saying is that we're going to be obedient to Christ. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're going to follow him. So we're not going to get really good at sinning. We're not going to practice that. More on that in a little bit. And then sanctification implies holiness apart from sin. In other words... That there is a holiness that has been given to the body of Christ, uh, people who are following Jesus in faith, trusting him, that happens uniquely because of Christ, not because of the lifestyle that we live. Again, more on that in just a moment. If you're not there, we're in Romans chapter 6. We're going to jump right in uh, verse 1 and walk through it together. Remember that Paul is speaking to a group of believers Remember that these believers have been persecuted in ways that we have not seen or fully understand. Family members who were turning them in to authorities, friends who were turning them in to authorities, persecution uh, at I mean, going to the Colosseum, being eaten by wild animals, being crucified. Uh, being lit on fire while alive to uh, to give light to Rome at night. These are things that the early church is dealing with, and specifically the church in Rome. You would think that Paul might say, "You guys have been going through it. It's been tough. Oh, it's been hard. I feel for you. I love you. Praying for you guys." But he doesn't. What he does do is he goes right to their heart. Despite all of the stuff that's happening around them, we need to deal with the heart, Paul is going to suggest. And specifically, the spirit. What is happening? And so he's going to ask some questions. He's going to drive to a place that is going to cause people to be uncomfortable. And it's not going to be any different here today. He's going to drive us to a place where we're going to have to chew on some stuff really eh, that we don't want to. So many times I've had the opportunity to do a memorial service uh, where someone has passed away. Some of those times has been Amazing! We knew that we knew that we knew that that person had a transformative encounter with the living God. And God did something amazing in that person's life. And they lived a life towards Christ that was obvious. It was blatant. And we could celebrate. This person is whole. They are in the presence of God. They love Jesus. And now they're loving Jesus in ways that they only dreamed of just days before. Those are special moments of celebration. Of also Been in services where the person that we're remembering said a prayer one time when they were little. Just a prayer. Ah, do I want to go to heaven or hell? Okay, well, I want to go to heaven, and if I have to say a prayer to do that, then that's great. And their life never changed. In fact, if you were just watching their life, there was no evidence that they ever cared for God or ever loved God. And I have to do those type of services where I'm trying to give hope and encouragement, meanwhile questioning where that person's salvation, where they've ended up in eternity. That's hard. As one of your pastors, I I can't just freely let you live in that place. That eternal insecurity, we'll call it. Of going, ah, I don't know. Never really had to ask the hard questions. Never really had to think about it. We're going to ask hard questions and we're going to wrestle with them together. And I'm hopeful that we're going to see God do something that only God can do. With that in mind, let's look at verse 1. Paul has already talked to the church. He's already identified, hey, we're part of this race of Adam. And there is sin and we've been infected by it. And this sin is a disease that has covered the whole world. You've been infected by it. I've been infected by it. And it's, it's uh, influenced and made the image bearers of God look different than God originally intended. And so he's already talked to them about that. And then he comes up into verse uh, 1, chapter 6, and he says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? One of the early heresies of the church was this. The flesh is bad. Spirit is good. Therefore, Christ never showed up physically on the earth. He appeared physically as if he were physical, but it was was only spiritual, not physical. Everything that is physical is bad. So the heresy went on to say this. Therefore, as we sin, we are actually giving glory to God because that's the, the, the cross is covering more sin. So we're stacking more sin against, against Christ and uh, the crucifixion. And we're seeing that Christ is bigger yet. So the heresy was, keep sinning. If your flesh says do this, then do it. Why not? So that's what Paul is dealing with and he's going right to the heart of the matter when he asks the question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So he's identifying the excuse. And look at the response. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Nope. Watch this. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He's saying stop it. Quit no more. Don't give excuses. Let's deal with it head on. That is sin. Jesus died for that sin. That's good news. Repent. Repent means that I'm going in this direction. I'm convinced this is the wrong direction. I'm turning now to Christ. It's repentance. The illustration that he gives over the next few verses is going to feel a little bit morbid. So hang in there with me uh, as we walk through it. But already I've talked about a memorial service uh, where, where we have either celebrated the life or, or we mourned death. And so Paul is going to give this illustration of death. And in this illustration of death, basically this is, this is the juxtaposition. If there were a dead person here, And if you brought their favorite food, doesn't matter what that favorite food is, and you put it in front of them, they would not eat it and they would not overeat it. And no matter how wonderful the opposite sex is, they would not lust because why? They're dead. And that's the picture that he's going to give in this illustration of they are dead. They do not respond to those sorts of things. Let's follow along. In uh, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? To share in Christ's life is also to share in his death. And sometimes we just want to skip to the life part of it because the life part of it is a lot of fun. It's good. It's freedom. There's joy. And that's wonderful and we should. Absolutely. Also, we have to share in the death of Christ. That there is this God who came in the flesh, who dwelt among us, who walked a sinless life, never sinning, ever, but recognizing that his creation did, and he goes to the cross, and he takes up my sins and your sins at the cross. Before he goes to the cross, there is pressure on him in ways that we'll never understand on the side of eternity, and he's squeezed to the point where he's, he's sweating blood amazing, amazing suffering that Jesus does, to think that we're going to participate in his life without recognizing that we are going to participate in his death is is not reality. And so the early church picked up on that, and I'm I'm going to give you a few uh, keys. They're called spiritual principles or spiritual practices or disciplines. So, for example, the early church immediately grabbed a hold of fasting as a, as a real way of saying, I am going to die to myself and my natural inclination to give that to God. The, the early church did that. The other thing that they did is that they, they also fasted from intimacy with their spouses from times, purposefully together to seek God to say, you know what, I'm going to die to my flesh, to my own wants, for this season, to remind myself that I, I want to follow God. I am not bound by this. I'm not just some wild animal that, <laughs> that has to respond to what I'm feeling or thinking, but rather I'm willing to die to myself. And that's this picture of baptism. We die to self, we die to sin and death, and we're alive in Christ. More on that in just a moment. Let's keep looking in Uh, Verses 4 and 5. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Not only do we die to ourselves, to our flesh, but we are. We rise up new. We're reminded that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old is gone, the new has come. And we have to embrace that reality. And that's part of what Paul is trying to identify. So let's look over this. If salvation implies victory over sin, there are some things, some principles that are pulled out that we have to address. The first one is address the excuse. And we all have them, right? Oh, I wouldn't have sinned like that if you wouldn't have made me so mad. I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have fill in the blank you know what, I'm just like my dad who did the same thing and his dad did the same thing. Eh, I'm only human. And we have excuses. And we have to address those excuses and be honest about them. And then we have to line them up with the scriptures. So if we address it and we recognize that there, there's some sin, some behavior in our lives that is not pleasing and honoring God, what do we do? Stop it. And I don't mean behavior modification. I'm talking about spiritual transformation that's found in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am dead to sin and death and alive to Christ. And this vessel, God wants to use for his glory. And it's a matter of turning it over to him. So we stop that behavior empowered by the scriptures. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. We share in Christ's life. We also share in his death. And I want to say this that sharing in his death actually brings us to that life. When we choose spiritual, or spiritual disciplines like fasting, like memorizing scripture, uh, like submitting ourselves to authority, we are choosing life actually. Well, that's discipline, that's hard, Mm, but it gives us freedom. It actually yields life, and that's what uh, Paul is insinuating in this passage. We are buried with him and raised to a newness of life. This whole process is big, and again, we like to skip to the ends. Ah, This resurrection life, it's wonderful, and it, it is for sure, but my flesh is horrible. And my flesh wants to not be crucified. And my flesh wants to shout really loud sometimes. And let me just tell you, there is a spiritual world, and that spiritual world is real, and it is not there to help us, right? The demonic side is not there to help us. They're not whispering truth into our ears. But we're buried to sin and death, and we raise to a newness of life. And that newness of life is only found in Christ. Let's keep going. So we do not have to practice sin. I think that's an important one. You don't have to. No. Kenny, you, you don't know. I am I am oh, I just can't get victory over this. Really? Well, neither can I. Neither can anybody. That's that's a little bit the point. None of us can get victory over it apart from Christ. That that's Jesus' work. So we don't have to practice sin. We don't have to get really good at it. I, uh, my, one of my kiddos, uh, they just started playing baseball. They're a little bit behind uh, in their development, but they just started. And so they're, they're learning their skills, and they have to work really hard. He has to work really hard uh, to, to learn the fundamentals of baseball. And he's having a blast doing it, and it's a lot of fun. His dad to, to watch this and his development, and he's picking stuff up pretty quick. Uh, He's getting better at playing baseball. We are not supposed to get better at sinning, right? Like, if I just keep working on it, I'm going to get really good at it. Stop that. No. That's the point. Uh, We work past that. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, we are not masters. Uh, uh, we are we we are not submissive to sin as a master. Well, I'm just a I'm just a man. I mean, I'm just going to follow that all guys do. Well, I just I just needed to medicate myself, so I took some extra of this, or I ate extra of that, or I, no, we're not we're not being mastered by that stuff. Not if we're in Christ. And if we're saying, I just can't get victory, then we need some accountability. We need to get together as a body, and we need to talk that through. We need to be a part of a life group who's speaking truth and love into your world. Don't get off by yourself and think you're going to get that victory. It doesn't happen. can't happen. It's kind of like a severed finger living aside from the body. That severed finger isn't going to walk back over to you, right? It's severed. And that's how we are without the body of Christ, severed, separated. There's no life going into us. We're part of a body, and we're called to this body to live according to the the words that Christ has given us. Let's continue on. The spiritual death frees us to live. So for one who has died has been set free from sin. Just like we said earlier, okay, if, there is, uh, if we were at a memorial service and that body was here, no matter what was put in front of them, they're not interested, right? It's, they're dead to it. There is no connection to it. They're not tempted by it. And that spiritually is true for us. Why is that? Because Jesus won. That, that's, again, the bottom line is, I didn't win. You can't win. We can't win together. But in Christ, well, there's a victory. And Jesus has already had that victory. Verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. This is this beautiful truth that if we're alive in Christ, then we're alive for always. Eternity. Why? Because Christ never dies. In John chapter 11, a friend of Jesus had died. Jesus wept. He also raised this man from the dead, Lazarus. Church history tells us that Lazarus was being persecuted in Judea because of the great amount of persecution because he spoke of the resurrection and what Jesus had done in his life. He left Judea and went to an island called Cyprus. He became one of the early Uh, Church fathers with respect to being a bishop in Cyprus. He lived there for 30 years. That's about when this is being written. He died. Stories of Lazarus uh, are circulating. Well, he was raised from the dead and he he died. No, no, Jesus never dies. That's true for Lazarus for different reasons. But Jesus never dies. He's alive. He's alive. Let's keep going. So we are alive to God. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word consider, there means to calculate. Like figure it out. Consider it. Don't be surprised by it. I recognize that when I start getting anxious, I'm going to medicate myself with some extra food. Man, I'm trying to get some accountability on that. I'm trying to be on. I'm sharing with you even now. Uh, That's not something I'm proud of. I want victory. Uh, We all need that. We all need those types of victories. Why? Because I belong to God. I'm alive in him. Not to that sin. What that food can do for me is short term. What Jesus does for me is eternal. And true for you too. True for all of us. Calculate it, consider it, believe it, do what needs to be done to get victory in Christ in it. So let's take a look. Separation implies that we do not practice sin, and we don't have to. We don't have to practice it. Just a person. Let's get rid of that excuse. Just like my parents. Let's get rid of that excuse. If you wouldn't have, get rid of that excuse. I just want to feel better. Get rid of that excuse. We're lining it up with what the word of God says and we're responding in faith to that. This spiritual death frees us to live. The spiritual death frees us to live. Jesus won and we are alive to God. In other words, our life exists because of Christ's life in us. Let's look at this third point. Sanctification implies holiness apart from sin. So sanctification is... Uh, A Bible term, it's connected to holiness. It also means separation. Uh, But it's important that we recognize that there is a holiness that is expected of us from God. Given to us by God. Apart from sin. If it's supposed to exist apart from sin, then it should exist apart from sin. So let's take a look at this. One. Whoops. I think I got ahead. So take account. Let not sin therefore rain in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Our bodies are uniquely designed to take care of itself. When we get hungry, it lets us know. When we're tired, we, it lets us know, right? But also, it can overdo it. Why? Because we're shattered. We're broken images of God and things aren't quite right on the side of eternity for some reason, but God is at work, and it started at the cross and through the resurrection. And for those who enter into faith, God is doing something and has given us this victory. So we have to take account. Uh, I was actually, between services, I was reminded of a story uh, that was given in a leadership conference about 15 years ago. A lady left the aristocrat. Uh, she was an aristocrat in, uh, uh, in Great Britain. She left that to go to Egypt. While she was there, she fell in love with the people and specifically the homeless children of the area. And a part of her prayer was this, Lord, quiet my mouth that I might hear my brain. Quiet my brain that I might hear my heart. Quiet my heart that I might hear your heart. She's taken account. We need to do that. Sometimes we get in those situations where anxiety, pressure, uh, uh, a missed expectation, frustration, whatever, is starting to take over. And our mouth says something. Why? Because it, it shocked us. There was something brewing inside. There was pressure from the outside. And if we would have just paused, what's going on in my brain? What's going on in my heart? Even what is my stomach doing right now? If you're a guy like me who is follically challenged, there are other things that that stand out like your ears get red. Take account. You're really close. You're building up. There could be sin. And that passion inside will cause sin on the outside. So when we say things like, oh, it just made me so mad. I just feel angry when you do that. According to the scriptures, we're not supposed to let those passions uh, uh, take charge of our lives. We're not supposed to obey those passions. And they come. So take stock. Take account. Two, we belong to the Lord, not sin. That's good news. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Let me pause there Because this is an important phrase. It's used a few different ways in the New Testament times. I'm going to tell you one of those ways you may not be familiar with. And that's this. That uh, in, in Jewish communities, it was practiced this way. That families would come together and they would put resources toward a common good. That common good, like a benevolence, would go to people who were in need. Let me explain what it means to be a person in need in the first century. They didn't have housing, which meant they slept outside sometimes. Uh, oftentimes, they didn't have clothing, which, which meant they were subjected uh, to the weather. And many times, and m- most of the time, they didn't have food. Friends, this is what that meant. They were going to die unless there were somebody who would give them something they couldn't get on their own. So they called this righteousness. We're giving to this to give to people who are in need. Think about what that means. Somebody who can't take care of themselves, who is surely going to die unless somebody intervenes, is being taken care of by somebody who's willing to extend uh, grace to them. Boy, that righteousness is exactly what we see in the scriptures that you and I have been subject in and of ourselves. We can't do it in and of ourselves. It's separation from God and it's the wrath of God that will be our reward at the end because of our choice. And we can't save ourselves. Sin separates us from God. That's the truth. That's the reality. And here we are just begging, God, we're going to die without you righteousness, is Jesus taking that and giving that grace to us, his work on the cross. Let me cover that debt for you. We saw that more in chapter five, that Jesus is covering that debt for us, that we couldn't pay ourselves. We belong to the Lord, therefore, and not to sin. So, No longer present ourselves to unrighteousness, this selfish, I'm taking, I'm taking, it's all about me, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Consider what God has done in that place. I was doomed, but God has rescued me. Finally, grace is enough. God's riches at Christ's expense. Getting what we don't deserve. Grace is enough, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. It doesn't rule over us. At at some point, when we follow Jesus, we, we we have to submit to that truth. Sin doesn't reign here. I might sin from time to time, but it shouldn't be, I shouldn't be getting really good at it. I shouldn't be practicing it. One of my kids uh, came to me recently and said, Dad, I don't know if I should tell people I'm a Christian. And I said, why? He said, because sometimes I blow it. I said, stop it. And he, he said, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I said, actually, I'm not surprised because I know your dad. <laughs> uh, You're going to blow it from time to time, son. But here's the reality. It's how you respond to that in repentance. You know what? Yep, you're right. I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm changing direction. I'm convinced that was wrong. And I'm going to follow God. And I said, we live a life that is humble before the Lord that way. That's what we're supposed to do. It's part of the reason that we come together in communion the way that we do in terms of confessing sin and calibrate, being calibrated to Christ through the word of God and through repentance. And I said, that's going to look a lot of different ways. And he said, well, what might that look like, Dad, when, when, I, when I blow it at school, for example? And I said, well, you might go to them and apologize. And he said, well, what happens if they don't accept it or they... Uh, or they mock me. Like, man, they mock Jesus too. Son, that's no excuse to not follow Christ. The what if stuff. Follow Jesus. And when you mess up, and you will, you come from a long line of people who have. Repent. And as you repent, ask for forgiveness. And we know that as we ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. A group of people who are being persecuted, Paul comes and speaks truth. In this section, sanctification implies holiness apart from sin. He reminds them to take account. And sometimes that's just processing, okay, something's different. I got to take account here. What's happening in my brain? What's happening with my heart rate? What's happening with my stomach? How am I responding? And before I blow up, recognize I'm not governed by that. Jesus has victory in this place because we belong to the Lord, not to sin. And grace really is enough. Jesus is enough. Friends, as we enter into a time of communion and as the worship team comes, uh, I just really want to challenge us to take stock and to think through some realities of our lives. Is there a sin or sins that we're not getting victory of? In fact, we're getting really good at And unrepenting of, if so, we're going to have to ask some hard questions. Have we really submitted to the Lord, or do we just want to get out of hell free card? Have we responded to Jesus' lordship, or or, or did we just kind of hope that I don't know, go to heaven and uh, it'll be fine, and we forgot Jesus altogether? What's happening here today is a challenge to live for Jesus. Because we, we have some decisions to make. Is it going to be sin? Or is it going to be Christ? At Friendship, we've been participating in Communion Weekly. It's been a practice of the church since the beginning. A big part of that is because it's such a tangible reminder of the gospel. That, that the only grace we receive is from God. Who gave his body for us. And who offered his blood. Not just to cover sin, but to take it away. And we receive that as a reminder that just as we've received Christ as our Savior. And so we're reminded in scriptures to do this. To examine our hearts before we participate. Am I a follower of Jesus? Does he really rule in my life? And is there any unconfessed sin? And then to confess it. A Friendship, we ask you to go to the section that's closest to you to get both the cup and the bread, and then go back to your seat, return to your seat, and we'll participate together. But examine the heart first. Let's pray.